So in my office, I have a piece of paper with some crayon markings on it. Because it's in my office, it's safe. But if it was left in a pew or on a table in the back of church, someone would probably throw it away. But to me, this piece of paper has value. A few months ago, my grandson, Matthew, made me a card for my birthday. His mother gave him a piece of paper and a couple crayons. And he poured his heart out on that paper. He sacrificed his time for me. Then he gave it to me. But when he explained what he did and how he made it and what each mark was, the substance of that paper changed. It became priceless to me. Someone seeing this paper in the back of church or in a pew would not know the background or understand its meaning. Today we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi. It is a day when we acknowledge that we have Christ in our body and in our blood, that we are the people for whom the Word takes flesh, that we are people who hunger and thirst for God. In today's Gospel, Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. The passage continues. Then many of his disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? The statement of eating flesh and drinking blood is still hard for us today. Statistics say that almost 70% of Catholics do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Historically, the belie this belief of the real presence is what set Catholics apart from other religions. How have we lost our hunger and our thirst for God? I think that many don't understand the history of the sacrifice. They don't understand the background or see the whole story. But scripture tells us the history of Christ's presence in the Eucharist. Let's look a little deeper into this entire chapter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. He starts by warning them of their idolatry and overconfidence because they're acting like the Israelites that we heard about in our first reading from Deuteronomy. God released the Israelites from hundreds of years of slavery and they built a golden calf to worship. Even after God saved them, they chose not to worship him and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. They wanted their freedom, but they also wanted their idols. Paul warns the Corinthians that they should worship God, not idols, even though they wanted both. Paul continues, look at Israel according to the flesh. Are not those who eat the sacrifice participants in the altar? What they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to become participants with demons. So why do we sacrifice to God? God already has everything. He created everything. But from the beginning of time, sacrifice and offering have been used to reconcile our differences between each other and with God. It makes us feel better when we've wronged someone to make amends. We do it for us, not for God. Many of us probably remember a time in grade school where we betrayed the trust of a friend. In our heart, we knew we'd done something wrong. 
To mend that relationship, we bring that friend a gift, a sacrifice from us, an offering of goodwill. It could be a cupcake or a piece of candy or a letter that says, I'm sorry. We participated in the hurt, so we also participate in the healing, in the reconciliation. But why does Jesus incorporate the Passover meal as his last supper and tell us to eat his body? While the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, Moses, with the help of God, delivered ten plagues, the last one being proclaimed by Pharaoh that the firstborn of Israel shall die. God used Pharaoh's proclamation as this final plague on Egypt. The Israelites were to protect themselves from this plague by killing a lamb without blemish. This sacrifice was to reconcile them to God and prepare them for their journey to freedom. They were instructed to mark the doorpost and lintel with the blood of the sacrificed lamb so that the angel of death, death would pass over their house. For their household to receive the benefit of the offering, they were to roast and consume the flesh of the sacrifice with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. The Passover meal was to be repeated by Jews every year. So in the first chapter of John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. At the Passover supper with the apostles, Jesus showed us a new Passover sacrifice. He would take the place of the Lamb. Since he was still alive, he took the unleavened bread from the table, blessed it. This is my body. Broke it and gave it to them. Likewise, the cup. Jesus, being God, has authority. When he says, this is my body, he intends for this to be his body. When my grandson Matthew tells me that his intent is for this piece of paper to be my birthday card, it is my birthday card. As Paul states to the Corinthians, because the loaf of bread is one, we, though many, are one body, for we all participate in the one loaf. My birthday card's important to me. You may have a similar piece of paper from a grandchild or someone that you love. But Christ's sacrifice is one loaf. It is important to all of us. We are one body. Through the apostles, who Jesus laid hands on and anointed as his bishops, from Peter through Francis and beyond, they laid hands on and anointed their successors who then laid hands and anointed our priests and Father John and passed on their authority through Jesus. When he, at the sacrifice of the Mass, says in Jesus' name, this is my body, I take him at his word. It truly is the most holy body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Today, as we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, understand that even though this may be hard, we come together in a community to participate in one body that is hungry and thirsty for God. So when we receive the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, our response of amen is to say, yes, I believe.